This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your go-to Iowa-based sports show, hosted by the one and only Elliot Clough. What's up, Cedar Valley? Hello to the Hawkeye State. This is Cornstalks and Sports Talk, your Iowa-based sports show, hosted by me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Me, you and I, insider for Town Square Media. Thanks so much for tuning in today. It does not go unnoticed. First off, if you're watching on YouTube, yes, this is a classic rock studio. Sorry about it. I had the Pink Floyd thing in the background, and there's there's a little bit of a reflection back there, but my apologies. But if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, comment. If you have any thoughts on what we're talking about today, we would love it if you dropped a comment, like, subscribe, etc. Especially if you're a UNI Panther fan, because we're going to be hitting that hard on today's episode of Cornstalks and Sports Talk. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc., make sure you subscribe, leave a rate and review. We only have a few, but we have a good amount of listeners, and a lot of you are on Apple Podcasts. So if you wouldn't mind leaving that rate and review uh, and uh, and a comment or, or, or what have you, that would be greatly appreciated, and it does help us out a lot here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk. With me, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter, just for that reminder before we get started. Uh, again, thanks so much for tuning in to this, this midweek episode of the show. I always enjoy these longer episodes uh, because we don't have to worry about commercials and stuff like that when it, when it, it, because we don't go on air for KOEL and KOEL.com. We don't do these on air, uh, the, the midweek ones. We just do the Saturday ones that are on air. So it's just me, completely uninterrupted. Um, and today we don't have a guest in studio, so we're really just going to hit this UNI stuff hard. And uh, because I'm a UNI insider for Town Square Media, and, and that's my expertise. Sure, we like to hit some national stuff from time to time. Last couple weeks, I think it was two weeks ago when Paul Chris got fired. We we talked about that here here on Corn Stocks and Sports Talk, but and I guess there was an implication of Iowa and stuff like that too, but. We're mixing it up today, just just you and I stuff, um, and I, and I like to do these things by myself. You know, kind of keeps things sharp. Uh, I used to do a lot of the solo stuff with former Pelicans coverage. If you didn't know that, I covered the New Orleans Pelicans for a lot for a little while. Um, you can find some of that old stuff somewhere online. It's on another YouTube page too, Pelicans Plus. If you want to check it out, um, they they were a really fun team to watch, but. Nice to you know get familiar with with where I grew up and and cover these teams in Iowa because I know these a little bit more than I know like Pelicans history and stuff also Hornets history for that matter so we're gonna dive right into it uh, to to the UNI content here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk and we've done this before on these Wednesday episode excuse episodes episodes uh, Ethan Petrick a few weeks weeks ago came into the studio and and he uh, did a podcast with us talking strictly about UNI football so if you want to you can go back and listen to that. We've also talked about uh, UNI football and the Missouri Valley Conference with Missouri, Missouri Valley Football Conference with Josh Betts of Bet Sports Beat. So you can go back and, and listen to those. But again, just me today. Uh, and the first thing that I really want to dive into that we didn't talk about last Saturday because we already had everything figured out for the show, everything scheduled, is that third and presumed final commitment for the 2023 class in UNI basketball and Wes Rubin. And we're going to talk about all three of the guys today because I think, yes, we talked about Kyle Polk a little bit last week with Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield uh, News Leader because he's in that coverage area of Bolivar, Missouri, where Polk plays his high school basketball. And he's interviewed him a few times, talked with him about uh, where he wanted to play and, and stuff like that, about his recruiting, the the process of, of the recruitment. And so, 
we have a little bit of that. Again, you can go back and, and listen to that, or you can find it on YouTube. It's just that segment on YouTube of, of Wyatt and I talking about Missouri State football, UNI football, and then Kyle Polk a little bit. And uh, so so there's that. But really, we haven't dove, dove, dove in. We haven't dove into this class a ton. Again, we had that interview with RJ Taylor in the spring when he decided to commit to, and that might have been early summer as well. But And you can go back and check that out as well. We, we have loads of content uh, on Cord Stocks and Sports Talk that you can always find, again, on YouTube or, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, etc. But first, I want to talk about that recent commit, Wes Rubin, who is, I believe, a two-star according to Verbal Commits. They do a lot of great stuff uh, on Verbal Commits, but like Father Harry said uh, on, uh, I think it was on Twitter in response to me, if he or I were on Verbal Commits, we'd be two-star recruits. So it's not necessarily super telling. What might be more telling is that Rubin isn't necessarily a huge presence. He's not on Rivals. He's not on 24-7 Sports. Uh, and Poke is on 24-7 Sports. He's really the only one of these three that has a real presence there. But you have a decent amount of, of information on these guys on on uh, on verbalcommits.com. They do a lot of great stuff there. And, and so some of the excuse me, some of the stuff we know about West Rubin is from there. Also, a lot of these guys at this age announce a lot of their stuff on Twitter, whether it's they're getting interest from big schools that say, good luck at your game today. Or they got an offer. And that's helpful for guys like me to, to share that information and see what other offers they have. But there is a decent amount of information on Wes Rubin is, is what I'm getting at. Despite the fact that there is no huge 24-7 sports profile or rivals profile on Rubin. And so let's get into it. Again, I'm going to talk about all three of these recruits. Ruben, Kyle Polk, and, and RJ Taylor. All three out of state, which is not a, a common thing for Coach Ben Jacobson and these classes that he puts together and the rosters that he puts together. Only three players on the current roster in Cedar Falls are not from Iowa. It's Nate Heisey, who's from Minnesota, which is a typical destination of, of UNI recruits or where they come from. Charlie Miller, who's a walk-on from North Carolina and is related to Eldon Miller, UNI uh, coaching legend. And then and then Ege Pegsari, who's from Turkey. So uh, it's it's definitely different. You know, a lot of these guys are, are from Iowa. Some of the best players in the state of Iowa, they end up at UNI. But this class, completely out-of-state kids, really focused on the Chicago area and the EYBL circuit, AAU circuit, was this class two of them are are on the same team in in Ruben and RJ Taylor. So let's again, let's dive right into to Ruben. There's an article on Ruben and Poke and RJ Taylor all on the KOEL website and app uh and and you can find them on my Twitter feed as well. More recent stuff. So those will be easier to find from uh, the the Poke and Ruben articles. RJ Taylor's quite a ways back because that did happen in in May, I believe it was. So and we we interviewed him then as well and so uh, you can you can check that out. That's on um, all of our all of our podcast related wherever we're at. That was in April that he decided to commit. So there you go on on Taylor. But Ruben, let's get to it. Wes Ruben, kid from Chicago, six eight forward that was initially committed to Loyola, wanted to stick around home. His twin brother stick stuck with his his commitment to Loyola and, and to play for the Ramblers and. Uh, <laughs> What I have written in here is initially committed to Loyola, then decommitted. <laughs> M dash 
suck at Ramblers because I think like most of the MVF or excuse me the MVC, not the biggest fan of of Loyola and you know they've won a bunch of games they've they've defeated you and I on a pretty regular basis over the last few years so you know I, I a lot of people don't like them because of how good they've been recently so and I'd probably fall into that category too but he also had an offer from a power six school in DePaul. And chose not to go there. Again, another Chicago school in the Big East Conference. DePaul has had some really good programs, really good teams in the last few years, and decided he didn't want to go there. And and prior to his decommitment from Loyola, he also had offers from Northern Illinois, Southern Illinois, Western Illinois, Illinois State, Akron, Toledo, and a few others, Pacific, which is one out all the way in California. And then after his decommitment, he also had an offer from Western Michigan, decided to to visit there, did some of the photo stuff and and whatever, posted on his social media, ultimately decided, I think it was just a few weeks, a couple weeks, two weeks, three weeks after he announced his offer from UNI, he decided he wanted to commit and play for the Panthers. This was also after he went on an official visit. I don't know if that his was an official visit. RJ Taylor went on his official visit and Wes Rubin went along with him. They're they're EYBL teammates. They play for Chicago Mean Streets. So that was I mean, that's just why it happened. They're friends. Um, RJ has told me that Wes is a stud. I haven't seen Wes play. I haven't seen RJ play or Kyle Polk play in person. But uh, RJ's RJ's a a solid source for for telling me that Wes is a a good player because uh, uh, because he plays with him and and RJ's good. So he knows what's good versus what's not for sure. Um, the Chicago Times also wrote a, a bit of a feature on him and and his brother Miles when they committed to Loyola and the emphasis in that article about Wes and his style of play was you know he's more of a wing and he stands at 6'8 so we'll see what happens there I I, traditionally guys 6'8 and above tend to play that forward position for coach Jake but if the skill set's there Coach Jake will adapt. I mean, he had never had a player like AJ Green, and then he came in and Coach Jake adapted and they figured stuff out. And if that's needed, then that's what's going to happen with Ruben. Um, he's not quite as big or as thick as Miles is. Miles is considered the better player. Oops. Whoops. Considered the quote, I'm putting this in quotes for those listening, better player uh, as opposed to Wes. But Wes still obviously garnering a bunch of recruitment and a bunch of offers. So he landed where uh, he can contribute and maybe can, can contribute quickly. But he strikes me as a versatile 6'8 player um, based on everything that I've seen, that I've read. He's a guy that can do a lot of different things, put the ball on the floor occasionally, shoot, get rebounds. He's a lob threat. And that could be, I mean... He could also be an awesome defender uh, with, with Coach Jake. If he sticks around that 6'8 size, he's really long. He can probably defend a bunch of different positions and really some some of the top scorers in the conference. We'll see in, in regards to that. But again, supposedly he can shoot, supposedly a, a, a lob threat. And again, I, this is stuff I've seen too, uh, not just read, but... Being a teammate of of R.J. Taylor and having those guys come in with a connection already, that's even an added bonus. Like this this class, talent wise, is really good. And then you factor in the the fact that these guys have had a history of playing together, and now that'll be brought to you and I, which already does a phenomenal job of creating chemistry and you know the the family atmosphere that that you and I is so familiar with, and 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 Coach Jake tries to foster. 
it just makes sense having both of these guys there and um I'm excited. It, 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 it's it's going to be fun to see what these two guys can do together, RJ and and Wes Rubin. And, uh, and the announced commitment, again, we have that article on the KOEL website if you want to check it out about Wes. The graphic Wes put together or had put together is freaking sweet. You should go check it out if you if you have the opportunity. Um, let's move on to, to Polk, who, again, we talked about fairly recently with, with Wyatt Wheeler from the Springfield News Leader. And he's he he knows Poke to the degree of having written some features about about him, seen him play, and he said straight up that you and I and Poke is a perfect fit. And for the longest time, Coach Jake and and you and I were not recruiting Poke. He he kind of came in late, and there was a part in the feature where Wyatt wrote about Poke's commitment and and the process. And I think I read in there that. Coach Jake or somebody from the staff made the trip down like four, five, six weeks in a row. It's like an eight-hour drive from from Cedar Falls to to Bolivar, Missouri, which is crazy to do. That shows a level of investment that that Polk said that he wanted, and he, the relationships were the the biggest thing to him. And so, very clearly, uh, a uh, a point of emphasis for Coach Jake and his staff was was getting this guy to to be a Panther and. And to bring him to Cedar Falls, and for good reason. I mean, like like Wheeler said, perfect fit for Coach Jake and for you and I. And on top of that, like I said, you won't see a ton on twenty four seven sports about R J Taylor or Wes Rubin, but you will about Kyle Polk. And it's not, you know, there's not a, an evaluation or anything like that necessarily by a twenty four seven quote expert, but they do have him ranked as a three star recruit, and probably. As far as I know, the best recruit in that area, that Springfield hour around, you know, circumference around that area, the best athlete, best basketball player in this 2023 class coming from there. And again, I've read a few features, watched some film and and seen some evaluation of him. And this guy, he has experienced a bunch of different positions. That was one thing that Wyatt definitely emphasized to us last week is that due to some injuries and some issues that his his hometown team had uh he had to step in and play point guard and he's 66 so positional versatility he can handle the ball he's a lights out shooter he's got athleticism there's one play in his tape where he has a reverse dunk which you just don't see that often from guys coming out of high school into this Division One level and playing for UNI. Usually that's a high major thing, and he's doing it coming in to, to play for, for Coach Jake and the Panthers. And so versatility, he's long. Again, 6'6", could very well continue to grow. All of these guys could. So he could very well end up 6'8", for, for all we know. Um, not only that, he's played at a really high level at the EYBL level too because he's played for the Mocan Elite which is a Missouri and Kansas team put together and he's played alongside two Iowa State commits in in Omaha Baloo and Caden Fish who coach Jake usually or he recruited uh Caden Fish for a little while and then Fish started to really pick up momentum and then he ended up at, at Iowa State Omaha Baloo a five-star recruit who is being recruited all over the country his brother Goner is going to play for Bradley this year, so we'll see what Goner can do in in the MVC as well. Not only that, but he was also being recruited by several other Missouri Valley Conference schools, and that's what I put together in the article regarding uh, Polk. Is I, I mean I I headlined it, 
UNI basketball steals, steals three-star recruit from MVC rivals. No pun intended. Steal, basketball, etc. But um, you get a three-star guy who had interest from bigger programs like Oral Roberts, like South Dakota State, like uh, he had interest from Lipscomb too, or, or, or he had received an offer from Lipscomb as well. And he he fully went around and saw these other programs and was interested to see which would be the fit for him. And he chose you and I, and that's pretty freaking cool if you ask me. And all of that. He also had interest from Wisconsin, a Big Ten program. No, they didn't offer, but they had interest, which is key. And I'm sure some other high major programs had interest in him, too. It just doesn't show up on, on 24-7. And Polk doesn't appear to be the guy that would share simply interest on his his Twitter account. From what I've seen, he's very much a deflect, praise-to-teammates kind of player. And so... To have a guy that had interest from Wisconsin, an offer from South Dakota State, an offer from SEMO, an offer from Oral Roberts, an offer from Lipscomb, and also offers from Missouri Valley Conference teams, and to bring him into UNI, that is a huge win. That is a huge win. And not only that, the 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 Missouri Valley Conference teams like Indiana State, and I think some of the Illinois schools were in the mix there, they got him from the hometown team in Missouri State. Springfield's just 30 minutes away from Bolivar, I think, I if I remember correctly. And they were the first D1 school to offer him a scholarship. And he chose to play for UNI and Coach Jake. And that is huge. I, I mean, again, couldn't be a better fit. I'm really excited to see what he does. He's probably the biggest name out of these three players in what's a really awesome recruiting class. I Again, I'm really excited to see what what Polk does a, as a Panther. And if you were watching Media Day, yes, I'm the idiot who asked Coach Jake about Kyle Polk when he can't comment about players until they sign their letter of intent. So that was me. I'm the dummy. And uh, you can you can blame me for that. <laughs> I, I asked the question and then I uh, coach Jake said, yeah, I can't comment. And I immediately felt my face get red and hot. <laughs> so a little embarrassed. Ended up talking to coach Jake and saying, hey, I didn't mean to get you. I wasn't trying to get you in trouble. And, and we kind of laughed it off. But uh, that was a, that was a fun moment and also quite embarrassing for me. I cover sports for a living. You'd think I'd know that. But anyway. Let's 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 move on to the to the third recruit in this class in R.J. Taylor, who, again, this I mean, it just gets better by the recruit, right? It started with R.J. in April of last year, deciding to commit before his junior season, if I'm remembering correctly. Maybe before his Yeah, it was before his senior season that was coming up this year. He decided to commit. He's a state champion in Michigan and. But before we get to that, I, I haven't really referenced any stats. I couldn't find any on on Wes Rubin. Poke, though, I want to I want to share this is that in his three years playing at the high school level in Missouri, he scored over seventeen hundred points and has hauled in more than seven hundred rebounds for the Liberators. So that's that's pretty that's that's pretty high level basketball from from uh, Poke, but. Again, let's move on to to R.J. Taylor, the first commit out of this class that we have talked about and talked with here on Cornstalks and Sports Talk before. There's also an article about him. If you want to find it, you can just search R.J. Taylor, K-O-E-L, or the main website that I do write for is KCRR. So you can search R.J. Taylor, KCRR on Google, and you'll find that article pretty quick. So 
again, back to to Taylor. He's he's a point guard. He's from Grand Blank, Michigan. It looks like Grand Grand Blanc, but it's Grand Blank. And he plays on that EYBL team with 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 Res Rubin, like I've mentioned. Same height as Bowen Bourne, five eleven. Which, by the way, I in- interviewed Bowen for the first. This is one of the first times I've really gotten you know face to face with him. And I'm five nine. I'm pretty sure he's my height. I think the five eleven is generous, and that's honestly honestly a, a a compliment to Bowen because his ability to score is unreal for his size. Like he wants to be the Larry Bird Trophy winner, Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, and he's five nine, and I'm five nine, and just the sheer amount of work and athleticism and skill he's had to put in to to be the type of scorer he is at his height is amazing. Anyway, recruits R.J. Taylor again about the same about the same size uh, between R.J. Taylor and Bowen Bourne, but from my vantage point, what I see is not the same player. The height, you know, this. Uh, not attached to skill and and type of player. R.J. Taylor's not Bowen Bourne. We can't expect him to be Bowen Bourne. He's he's R.J. Taylor, right? What I see from him, though he has the ability to score, 17.1 points per game and four rebounds in route to per game in route to winning the state championship in Michigan. I don't see that being necessarily what he does, at least initially at UNI. I think he could grow into more of that primary scoring role as he gets a little bit older, depending on how long Polk's around, how long Wes Rubin's around, if these guys redshirt, what that looks like going forward, and, you know, transfers and other recruits, and there's a lot of different things that that could happen. But if Rubin's called upon to be a scorer at, at UNI, I, I think he he lives up to to that billing and and fulfills it. But I don't see that being his role when he initially gets playing time. Initially, he's going to come off the bench. And to me, he's going to be that that quintessential point managing the game point guard. You're not going to see the the stats or, or the box score fill up necessarily for RJ, at least initially, again, maybe with assists, but he's going to be a guy that, that'll manage the game and you can trust coming off the bench, not going to turn the ball over. And then as his, his career possess, excuse me, career progresses, he'll start. And uh, again, he'll still be that sort of manager of the game, but, but He's a guy that brings energy. Again, not going to turn the ball over. Going to run the offense efficiently. Going to play efficiently. Can score when called upon. Can hit jump shots when he's open. And also would be the guy that's like, he's he's in, not infallible, but, you, but he's not a guy that you can get in his head. He's a guy that might have two points and, and may very well be one of six from the floor with two minutes left. But you go to him late because he's a guy that you trust to have the ball in his hands and to make a shot late in a game and to make a play late in a game, whether it's him taking the shot himself or finding Ruben on the pick and roll or finding poke on a on a pick and pop or, or, or something like that. Again, this is later on in his career, too. I am really excited about RJ one because he's that quintessential point guard that'll fill his role and, and points other guys for their success, but can also score. And he's just that he's just a UNI Panther, man. He's he's the one that I've talked to the most out of these three. I haven't talked to Wes or or Polk yet. I'd love to get him on the show if that's a that's a possibility or or do an interview with one of them. But uh RJ in the conversations I've had with him, this dude is a Panther, man. Like his ability to uh, 
to be able to communicate at his age the uh, the the way he does is impressive to me of a young man that's that's showing that uh, he's been raised well and that he's around good people and that's going to continue at UNI obviously and to be able to communicate like that and be a point guard is important not only that but also he's been on the recruiting trail like obviously with Wes Rubin being his teammate he's probably saying hey man I know coach Jake I want to play for coach Jake that's why I committed so early and uh, I'm sure he had some influence on Polk too and I mean, in talking with him, there's just that understanding. When you've been around the UNI basketball program long enough, you start to see guys and be like, that, that's a UNI Panther. That fits into Coach Jake's mold right there. And that's R.J. Taylor to me. And I, I think having that on the roster is good for the future because there's, there's plenty of guys on the roster like that, but you know there's going to be more incoming. And it's, you can say the same for Polk because you know he's that deflector. And then Ruben has actually won awards for... Being uh, uh, a a uh, being good at sportsmanship, I guess. Being a good sportsman, um, I read an article about that where he won an award at some conference or some tournament because he was a good sport and because he dominated. So that that's great to have come in and to to have RJ uh, be the the first guy to commit, and he's so invested already to boot like that. Coach Jake. Couldn't I mean I I haven't heard this from Coach Jake, but I'm assuming Coach Jake couldn't be more thrilled to have RJ and to have him had had him commit that early on is just I'm assuming perfect for what Coach Jake wanted and and to have him and be invested the way he is already uh, and was before his senior year even started like what more can you ask for? Um, again, committed back in in April, so just a, a huge get for for you and I basketball. And again, if you missed any part of that, if you're watching on on YouTube or whatever, you can go back and listen. We're talking. We just finished talking uh, three recruits that are coming in the 2023 class for UNI men's basketball. And now we'll shift to to football because I want to talk about that a little bit more before we go and and move on to to Friday's show where we preview the the SIU game versus UNI. Uh, and I knew I wanted to talk about this this uh, weekday show of of corn stocks and sports talk because. If you were at the game, you know how impressive that was. How impressive that win was over Missouri State. And sure, Missouri State had won, or excuse me, had lost four games in a row, right? But they were a top five ranked team to start the season. They lost to, um, to start the, the losing streak, they lost to Arkansas. They also lost to North Dakota, South Dakota State. And forgive me, I can't remember who their other loss was against. I'm looking it up right now. Um, that other loss was to Southern Illinois, 38 to 21, and that was at home. And then they traveled. They had their bye week, which would be a get right week, coming into Cedar Falls, and they they still couldn't figure it out. A lot of things going on with them internally, but there's a ton of talent on that team. Tyrone Scott, Jason Shelley, Jacardier Wright, uh, uh, Montre Montre Braswell, Navion Mitchell, loads of talent on that team. You and I handled them from the first, from the kickoff, what looked to be a a safety right away uh, on that first play. And to me, after watching film, after watching some of the highlights and and some of the film, still looks like a safety to me. I was in the press box, so not the greatest uh, vantage point of of what happened there. But two plays later, you get the pick from Stefan Black, who has had. Uh, 
I don't want to say I, the defense as a whole has had if, issues. So I, I, that play by by Steph was was perfect. That's exactly what you want. Uh, I mean, I, you can't wish for much better other than a pick six. I mean, Dom Williams scored on the next play. So what more can you ask for? Um, holistically, the defense looked like the UNI defense of your, you know, it's that swarming three guys to the ball, make a play type of defense. And that is really, honestly, the first complete game I think we've seen from the defense all season. And, and here we are in week eight. And they've still won three games prior. And they were in a couple of those games too. They could very well be five and three, six and two right now. And so now the defense is playing close to the level that they've played before. They're not, you know, they're not the 2019 defense. That that defense with with Ellerson Smith and Xavier Williams and and uh, Jared Brinkman and and some of those really talented guys that had been around for a while. Spencer Cuvillier was a part of that defense. Bryce Flater was a part of that defense. But they're working their way back to being that type of elite level. And this was probably the best win that they've had this season, despite where Missouri State is. And so. What I really take away from this game is that, is that swarming defense appears to be back, appears to be confident as ever. Um, and, and you could attribute that to a few different things. You could attribute that to the way Missouri State has been playing. You could attribute that to the the freaking offense has been amazing. And you take that and and momentum uh, that carries over to the defense. You could, you could say that you could say that, you know, coach Farley has finally gotten a grip of the defense and taken it away, having taken it away from Randall McCray, who was the defensive coordinator starting at the season coach Farley now in that more so defensive coordinator role as well with Randall McCray taking over special teams. You could point to the shift in the the defense, the the looks that they're giving opponents because they're more, doing more of that three down lineman stuff over the last two weeks with Caden Hoteling out and with the type of teams they're playing. So, I mean, they did the four down lineman too against uh, against Missouri State this last week. Uh, five sacks, which is their season high. Cannon Butler with two. Cordarius Baylor with Cordarius Bailey with two. Had to think about that one for a second. And then Javon Brecky had one as well. Um, I mean, point to whatever you want. The defense is starting to look like a UNI defense. Like uh, we'll we'll just put it like that. And this team, I'll get to the offense before I before I make the the claim I'm about to make. I don't know regarding the offense. I don't know that Theo Day has ever commanded the offense at UNI like he did this last Saturday. I said on Twitter that Theo Day is the best quarterback in the state of Iowa. There was one person who disagreed with that and was like, he plays at Division One AA level. First of all, it's called the FCS, buddy. I hope you're listening to this. I don't even, I'm not even going to say his handle because I didn't, I don't acknowledge stuff like that on Twitter. I don't give people the time of day. There's some troll from Evansville that likes to respond to some of my tweets and I just don't get into stuff. I think it's silly. I feel free, you know, say that stuff to, to me on on air or, or feel free to come on corn stocks and sports talk I'll, I'll make you look silly i have no problem doing that um but theo day looks like the best quarterback in the state of iowa and you watch some of that film you see some of the throws he made heroic throws ridiculous i mean i put a compilation of it on twitter you can go check it out and and that's a big reason why i say he's the best quarterback in the state of iowa in the best offense in the state of iowa too and so I mean, you just have to watch the game. 
and watch the film and watch those highlights and you see it. He's a Michigan State transfer. He's played at the FBS level for those of you who want to say, oh, double A. Again, called the FCS. And you can find that that compilation of those videos on my Twitter feed. It's at Elliot Clough, E-L-I-O-T, C-L-O-U-G-H. And if fine, we'll take that FCS comment. He looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the FCS right now. Some of those... I... <laughs> in the press box, you know, my, it's uh, myself and, and some of the other guys up there that, that I know pretty well, Ethan, Josh have been on this show. And generally speaking, we'll talk during the game. We'll, we'll make jokes, stuff like that. And it's the role of a journalist to try not to react during games and be verbal and be like, oh, or wow, or nice play. Some t- you just kind of had to let some of those go with some of the throws that Theo was making. Throwing across the body on the run, throwing in the opposite direction of his body, the way his body's moving, and making like unreal passes. There was one where he threaded the needle between three defenders from Missouri State to Logan Wolf, who made the catch. Wolf made six catches. I think he finished with 111 yards, 112 yards, if I'm remembering correctly. Both career highs. And he's not even at 100% right now. Sergio Morency looks like one of the best receivers in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and therefore the FCS. That touchdown right before half, uh, a lot of us were like, why aren't you calling the timeout? Why aren't you calling the timeout? Why aren't you calling the timeout with about a minute left? And then they scored with four seconds remaining and made us look silly. So I'll I'll take being silly or being looked at as silly in that moment because Morrissey made the play and, and Theo made the play for that matter. There was another throw that Theo had right before half where, again, running left, throws it right, right into the pocket of Alex Allen. I mean, he didn't make the catch, and I think it might have been tipped by a by a Missouri State guy too. But um, some of these throws, man, I mean, Theo is dialed in, dialed in, throwing darts. And these, this receiving group, Coach Mark Farley said it's up there with the best that he's ever seen and, and had at UNI, and, and for good reason. And, I mean, throw, again, Alex Allen in there, who is arguably one of the best tight ends in the country, and then Dom Williams, four touchdowns, one game. That matches a UNI single-game single, single game record. Last player to do it was Aaron Bailey in 2015, and that was against Missouri State, too. I mean, this team's rolling right now. Like, early on, including myself, a lot of the UNI fans were upset and, and doubting what this team would do this season, and they look like they can compete with anybody right now. Sure, you want some of those wins back. North Dakota, that game was winnable. And against Illinois State, that game was definitely winnable. Sacramento State, who's the number two team in the country right now, that game was winnable. The only game that was really for sure out of reach was that Air Force contest. Other than that, there were moments in those games that the tide could have turned, every game that they lost, that the tide could have turned, and you and I won the football game. And right now, they're 4-1 and one in their last five. And that's the way you got to be right now to to come back and to finish the season on a good note and to possibly get in the playoffs. They still, in my opinion, have to win out. They have to beat Southern Illinois coming up this weekend, who's a ranked team. They have to get a good win on their resume in order to have a chance at the playoff playoffs. They have to beat South Dakota State in Vermilion or South Dakota in Vermilion, and they got to give their best against South Dakota State. If they make it close, if they can finish six and five, they have an outside shot. But they have to win against Southern Illinois this weekend. They have to win against South Dakota that week, uh, that final week of the game or of the season. 
in Vermilion, and they have to give their best shot against South Dakota State, who has lost games in moments where it really matters like that. So we'll see, man. The defense still has to be top tier against Nick Baker this coming this coming week in Carbondale, and it's in Carbondale. That's a big factor. Coming off that victory over them when they were the number three team in the country last season in the Dome, one of my favorite games that I've ever covered in sports. That game was insane. Steph Black had that pass breakup at the end for you and I to beat them to the third-ranked team in the country. They very well could could win out the way this team's playing right now. And I think the Utah Tech game, they were able to play that three-man front and and figure out some stuff and see how they wanted to play that zone against some of the better quarterbacks later on. And they did that against Jason Shelley. They got to him five times. Uh, and they're they're I'm not looking at the stats right now. Uh, pass breakups or or quarterback hits. See where that ranks for them, and it's not. Uh, they didn't get any, but they did get five sacks. So I I just love the way you and I is playing football right now, and and it's given some some folks hope. It, it looks like if they win out, that they can definitely make the playoffs, and they should because if you beat Southern Illinois, who's a top twenty five team, and you beat the number probably number one team in the country. You definitely deserve a a spot in the playoffs. So we will see. Talent-wise, this team is a playoff team. The way they're playing right now, they're a playoff team, but you got to get a signature win or two in order to get into the playoffs. So we'll see what they can put together. Again, this was another midweek episode of Corn Stocks and Sports Talk with me, you and I, insider for Town Square Media, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before you go, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, like, drop a comment. If you think that I'm an idiot, tell me why. If you think that you, if you maybe you disagree on a few things, tell me why in the comments. I want to hear from you. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about some of this stuff coming up uh, on, on, on Saturday as well. Southern Illinois will preview that game on, on Saturday's show where you can listen as a podcast or live on KOEL.com or AM 950, 9 to 10 on Saturdays. Um, and if you're listening on any podcasting platform, please subscribe, follow, leave a rate and review. I know a lot of you listen on Apple Podcasts. Please leave that rate and review. That does help us out so much, uh, and, and we really appreciate it. Again, any thoughts, please drop a comment, uh, message us on the KOEL app or whatever app you're listening, KCRR app for that matter. Um, you can always follow me on Twitter too and, and respond to anything, any, uh, you know, comments or thoughts that I make, you know, you can always respond. I love hearing from, from listeners. So again, this is another week's episode of corn stocks and sports talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. My name's Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Another week's episode, corn stocks and sports talk.